Well, it's Wednesday. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Is she coming? She's already here. The writer of Teenage Romance Five Feet Apart, we talked about a few weeks ago, is back with something, and I mean this sincerely, completely different. New beginning. And Kira Knightley is back in historic costume for the World War II romance, The Aftermath. Romance? You could have not seen it and known it was a period romance. Yeah. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. My name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but neither of those. Luckily, Vary McIntyre and Michael Campbell hello. both have. Now, as always, we have a village from his gold class double pass to give away. But first... Patricia. I'm very sorry about your loss. It's your fault! I can't even imagine how you must feel. Your children, Lindsay, are safe now. But have they heard her crying? Have they felt the sting of her tears? They will. And she will come for them. Who? La Giordona. A new film that's part of the Conjuring series, The Curse of La Llorona, or as it's known here, The Curse of the Weeping Woman. Now, this is the most interesting part to me. A few weeks ago, we talked about Five Feet Apart, a teenage romance. Well, the same writer is back to write this, an otherworldly, dark, superhuman thriller horror. No, they're very similar, Karen. <laughs> at, the, at the core of it, they're, they're both making no, they couldn't be more different. Yeah, as you say, this is part of the Conjuring universe and that there's a certain iconography that goes with that. You're talking kind of religious iconography. What are some of the other films curses. in the series? I mean, obviously Conjuring 1, 2 and 3. Uh, there's also... Uh, Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle and The Nun that we talked about oh, yeah. episodes and episodes ago now. And yeah, they've always got this like religious kind of overtone to it and their old folklores that are brought back into like modern horror. So yeah, this is about Lelorona, who is a, uh, a Mexican, what would you call it? Like a spirit, an Evil entity spirit. that preys on young children. And of course, this follows the tale of Linda Cardellini and her two kids who have interacted with Lelorona and now that she's after their kids. Well, I think we've all said this a few different ways now because it's not our language. Yeah. We're not experts. In fact, it makes it very clear now why in Australia they've called it the curse of the weeping woman. Yes. <laughs> so tell us about the curse of the weeping woman. Yeah, I was very offended before and then I was like, oh, I get it. Father, can you help us? The church works with people who specialise in situations like this. Get to La Llorona. Is she coming? She's already here. Folklore is my jam, as we know. So I was really into this already and I was like, oh, this is great. It's based on a Latin American folklore and I was researching about it and there's some mythological links to some Aztec goddesses, a couple of those, but also reminded me of the British Banshee, if we know that story as well, about a whaling, <laughs> about a whaling woman who foretells death. Okay. Yeah. And in this particular one, this woman has drowned her sons and her soul cannot get into heaven, so she has to find souls to replace those that she killed of her sons. So that's why she's like trying to steal other people's children. You know what I think works really well in horror? And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Pet Cemetery, which is when you have kids at the center of a horror movie, there's something about it that makes it seem so urgent. 
Mm. Because there's just an instinct, I think, in every person that like kids should be protected and they're, they're innocent. And this does that really wisely, I think, by a lot of the scenes where Linda Carlin's character will be away and it's just the kids, you start to really freak out. You start to get that kind of yeah. hands kind of uh, getting sweaty because you're like, who's going to protect them? They're alone <laughs> now. She's going to get them. <laughs> that happened to me a few times. There's a really great tense scene. I won't give away what the scene is, but it involves a bathtub. And that whole sequence, it, it slowly builds and builds and the dread builds and builds. Karen, you're going to hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Yeah, there's a lot of themes with water as well because the weeping woman killed her kids by drowning. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Yeah, I'm out. Elements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as soon as you see water, it starts raining. There's a pool. There's a bath. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. This also has something that I love, which is Linda Cardellini. I think she's super underrated. I I really, really like her. And she not often gets to play a leading woman. She is the the leading woman in this. There's also, I quite like the Blumhouse model of things are always set in different time periods. It's never really modern day. The Mm. Conjuring in the 70s, this one is like late 60s, early 70s, it looks like. And there's just something about that as well, where you can't just text someone and say, hey, get out of the house. It's a little harder to get to. It feels like a classic horror movie almost because of its aesthetic. Mm. And I think the Conjuring Universe films are really good at setting that up. Also, this, as Blumhouse is, produced by James Wan. And he's known for this particular cinematic style in the low-budget horror films that he does, not the big ones, like he did Aquaman as well. But the suburban setting, mm. there's small interior room scenes and... Creaky he, houses. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of doors creaking tropes. open slowly. That's a trademark. Moving is. objects, like the chair will move by itself, jump scares, all that. You know what I find about all of these movies in the Conjuring universe mm. is they all have different directors, but they all could be directed by James Wan. <laughs> it seems like every director... It's it, I mean, it must be a mandate, right, where they're like, you need to direct it as if it was directed by James Wan because they all got those really similar style to them, which makes it consistent. But I would kind of like to see it go stylistically a little different as well at times. I get that it's a consistent look and they probably want you to think it's directed by James Wan because he's like a notable name. But I would like to see someone just go similar like Taika Waititi did with Thor. He just made it a Taika Waititi film and he's like, I don't care about what's established. I'm going to make it like this. I want someone to do that to the Conjuring universe. Okay. Yeah, maybe we've had enough of those. But usually they they sell out because people know what they're going in for and that's what you go for, especially with horror films. Like unless we're talking about something like Us, which we talked about a few weeks as well, that are just odd horror. Horror is just a pretty set genre and there's – particular tropes that you expect and yet they'll still scare you like jump scares yeah so i'm going into a horror film not expecting anything different well i guess that's kind of happened with jordan peele like he's walked into the horror world and gone no i can do this i can do the tucker watiti to this yeah Yeah. i can like change this up and make this interesting again and not just jump scares yeah that's the thing they need a good central idea that at its core is really unnerving i think that's what makes a good horror movie uh, great. So you take The Shining, for example, which is the story of a good man becoming corrupt, which can kind of happen to anyone and therefore becomes Not universally scary. Not Because you'll never watch it. <laughs> uh, it. It's like universally scary. And I think with these Conjuring films, because they're about folklore, which I, I think is really interesting, there's that universal appeal is slightly lessened, though, for that reason. I feel the opposite because for me, The Conjuring was different. It came into the horror genre when we just had slasher and blood and gore and all that sort of classic but these came in with a good storyline and that's what they're known for. And they have kept with that theme throughout all their films and that's what's kept it interesting. Uh, yeah, I actually totally agree with you. I think what James Wan and Lee Winnell kind of did with the first of these movies, you're right, they took it almost right back 
because it had become Jason X in space. And what's the body count of this movie? Yep. Anytime a series goes to space, like yeah. when Bond went to space. I think the Fast and Furious are like one movie away from going <laughs> yeah, to space totally. at this point. But yeah, they stripped it right back. And you're right, it did become about the characters and whatnot. They need another element now because they're like six or seven movies in. Blumhouse, if you're listening, I don't know what it is, but it needs one more element to sustain it from here. Well, it's space. Oh, yeah, you've you've done it. (laughs) Well, Blumhouse, if you are listening, I am very good at folklore. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, hit me up. So who should see this film? I mean, I... I mean, not me, but anyone else? (laughs) Anyone, anyone except for you. I think these Blumhouse Conjuring movies have their, like, core audience and they're already in. But I would say it's not too scary. I think, again, I think the gold standard is the first Conjuring. It's somewhere around just above The Nun as far as scariness, but I would say it's a far better movie than The Nun. Also in cinemas this week, Hellboy. The reboot of the Guillermo del Toro movies. Missing Link. A cute little stop-motion animation. And Little, a new body swap comedy. You can hear about all of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app you're in right now. Hey, Lubis. Hello, Morgan. Please come inside. It's my wife. My daughter and I will stay out of your way until we move to the camp. What if we let them stay on? You mean live with them? There may not be an outward show of hatred, but it's there below the surface. During the war, did you ever hope for a German victory? Did the bombing affect the health of you and your family? It affected the health of my wife. She died in the firestorm. I'm so sorry. Most World War II films are about the war itself, from Saving Private Ryan to Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. But what happened next, right, in the mid to late 1940s is something that's often missed. Well, new British drama Aftermath seeks to look at just that. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. There are so many movies about the World Wars, like, ah, not another one. You might be thinking that as well. This is completely different. I really appreciated the different aspect that they took. So it's set as we said, after World War II in Hamburg, And Kira Knightley comes to stay with her husband, Jason Clark in this nice mansion while the troops are rebuilding the city. But they have to share the house with the German owners, played by Alexander Skarsgård and his daughter, and political and emotional tensions arise with sexy consequences. <laughs> it is a bit of a sexy film, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a sexy period drama. It's such an interesting time period. That, I mean, I guess it was inevitably going to happen, but I'd never considered that there would be people living side by side that were fighting against each other. And I think that that is such an interesting way to frame a movie like this. And Kira Knightley, uh, I think we make fun of her sometimes for doing kind of the same film over and over and over again. She's normally in a corset and she's running across a manor in a large mansion. That's kind yeah. of her thing. And that's almost what I expected given the poster because it's just her big head looking glamorous over a, <laughs> over a big mansion. But it's not that at all. It's kind of dark. It's kind of a little twisted at times. Yeah. You... There's characters that you should root for but you don't and there's characters that you shouldn't root for and you do. It was actually really complex and good. Yeah, it delves into a little bit of the political situation after the war. There's still some, you know, Nazis running around so they have to root them out and the daughter character as well, she kind of gets influenced by this Nazi guy who wants to kill the British troops that are in there. So there's a little undercurrent of this turmoil that the Germans are facing that now they're occupied. I never thought that I could be happy like this. Come with me. This is what you wanted. 
new beginnings. What this did, I thought it's always really interesting in these kind of movies. Kira Knightley starts off as almost kind of an unlikable character. Mm. I guess, okay, similar to Green Book with Viggo Monson. He has these like preconceived notions about uh, Dr. Yeah. Shirley and whatnot. But over the course of the movie, they change and something similar happens with her. But really it happens mm. about German soldiers, which is something you do not see in movies very much. And she kind of starts getting these feelings that she, she doesn't know what to do with because she is starting to fall in love with what was the enemy and she's conflicted. And I think it worked really well because I was also conflicted about her feeling that way. Yeah. Does that make sense? I was like, I don't necessarily agree with what you're feeling, but I also understand exactly why you're feeling like that. Because her husband character is so nice yeah. and sweet as well. I love that on IMDb you've got the top build cast and their character names are listed beneath them. So Kira Knightley is... Rachel Morgan, Jason Clark is Lewis Morgan, and then the other two top build characters are Boy on Train and Mother on Train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were good the boy casting on train agent, and Mother on Train. The casting agent, like we've got a, a big role, <laughs> big role. It's actually quite a big Boy on Train. <laughs> yeah, Alexander Skarsgård is listed way down there. Yeah, yeah, he's great though. I, oh I, yeah, sexy hunk from True Blood. That overwhelmingly when we came out, everyone was saying. God, he's a hunk, isn't he? <laughs> and it goes to show that he still was seen as a hunk despite being a German soldier in World War II. Everyone's like, yeah, but he is very handsome. Yeah, but, but he was like a conscientious yeah, objective. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should point out he's not a Nazi. He's not goose-stepping yeah. through the movie. <laughs> I love that they also didn't make Jason Clark's character a real abrasive kind of aggressive husband, which is the cliche in these kind of movies. And you're like, well, she's moving away from the aggressive husband to this, the nurturing arms of the hunkier, mm. <laughs> hunky Alexander Sarsgaard. And that's what made me so conflicted because I'm like, I get it, but also I'm sad. And what a run Jason Clark's having. Pet Cemetery a few weeks ago, this movie now. He's never, ever been like the huge leading man. And I always wanted him to be. And hopefully between these two movies, it can push him up somewhere into actually being like a respected movie star. So who should see this film? I don't want to make it sound too negative, but it's a bit of a, a nano movie, I think. Um. Uh, well, my grandma would love this movie. That doesn't mean I won't love this movie because I actually quite enjoyed it. But it does definitely skew slightly older in demographic. Don't, don't take your kids. <laughs> it feels a bit like Brief Encounter with classic Kira Knightley drama Atonement and Anna Karenina. Yep. Bits yep. of those. So if you like those, you'll like this. For your chance to win Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering the question, What is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Pop on the hashtag The Cinema Crew and you could win. Next week, is this really the end? We will discuss Avengers Endgame. I've got a feeling that fans of Downton Abbey are going to like this one. It's The Chaperone. I will see Julianne Moore in just about anything, so I'm looking forward to Gloria Bell. Anyway, that's next week. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thanks. I'm Kyle Waitley, and we'll see you at the very least. You'll hear us next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.